Welcome to another episode of the Air Raid Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. Listen to us in, on iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast from. Of course, watch us live stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, which we are currently live streaming right now. Without further ado, we're going to spend some time talking to Micah Smith, the, the offensive coordinator for Chadron State College. I'm sure I probably butchered it. Chadron State College. Based out of Chadron, Nebraska, Coach, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, and uh, yeah, you did butcher it, but that's all right. <laughs> You're not the first one. Uh, it's like Chicago; it's a sh- yep. shattered. Nice. Yeah, I could probably say it probably ten times. I would never get it right. <laughs> Most people do, man. Most people do. <laughs> so, Coach, of course, you know, you know, as always, season's right around the corner. Um, during the live stream, I typed up the schedule so everybody can, uh, of course, see it. Um, season starts right around the corner. When are you guys um, reporting to camp? Um, so we'll start camp. I think uh, our guys check in August fifth or Very nice. somewhere around there. They can they, we let them get in the dorms August fifth, and then we have a day that's kind of for all the compliance stuff and all the paperwork stuff. Then we have a day where we can meet, and then the day after that's where we can finally actually start practice. So it's about I think August 9th is our first practice. Very nice. Hey, I'm sure you're excited with along oh, with the yeah. rest of the coaches. Oh yeah, man. It's been a, it's a, hopefully we can get some normal football this year. So. <laughs> Amen to that one, of course, you know, with everything that's going on, um, you know, who knows, hopefully, in my, and I know in my sake, uh, hopefully, you never know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk 2020 uh, real quick, of course, you know, it was non-normal for everybody, everybody went through something last year, but uh, nonetheless, of course, you guys uh, finishing two and two in a very, you know, 2020 season, which a lot but people technically don't count 2020 as a season. Um, kind of walk us through of how it affected you guys and how you guys took a step by step, of course, uh, throughout the what season you guys did have. Yeah, you know, I mean, may, the main thing was you, we had to learn. Uh, and as being a football coach and playing football my whole life, you kind of mm-hmm. understand that, like, you got to go with the flow and everything's always audible, ready, and you're ready to, if something bad happens, you go to the next guy or next man up or whatever it is. But we um, we started we started fall camp late. We didn't start till all the kids were on campus, and about a week after they got on campus, so not really till September. Um, then we played the abbreviated schedule. We had six games scheduled. Um, only got to play four, um, which was a blessing. I think we, I don't know what the final number was after spring, but the teams that right. played in the fall, I think there was only ten Division two teams that actually played games. Wow. Yeah. And so we were very, we were very fortunate. Um, and now last year, uh, last 2020 was my first year as a coordinator here and we didn't get a spring. And so that last fall was kind of our spring ball to where I, we actually got to put in the offense that we, that I run, um, got to get guys used to all of my calls and how I do things and how I structure the verbiage. Um, and so it was a blessing for us. Um, you know, we'd like to come out better than two and two, but we were in right. the game, played hard. We, you know, I think we lost one game in overtime and then one game we were in it striking distance at the end of the game. So 
Um, so we're, we were where we wanted to be. And then the spring came and we did spring ball early. Um, and then we got, we saved some of our championship segment days and we jumped into playing some scrimmages late in spring. Um, so for me as a coach, what was kind of hard was, uh, what was different, not hard. I enjoyed it. It was tiring, but we had a game plan all year long because we had scrimmages, we had games and we never mm-hmm. kind of got to that break that you normally get in there. And so that was a, that was kind of a wild one to where usually you get a little bit of time to relax there before spring ball or right after spring ball. Yep. We didn't really get that this year. But <laughs> that's all right. I, you know, we take it in stride. And like I said, it, that, that spring ball was really good for us. We got every single one of our guys that was eligible to play in those spring scrimmages, um, got multiple reps that hopefully got them better. And also kind of those guys that maybe aren't cut out to play college football who are questioning, like, why aren't I getting time? Why aren't I getting this? Mm-hmm. Now they kind of understand that a little bit. So that's awesome. And, you know, going back to what you have, <clears throat> going back to your first year, I know I've interviewed other coaches kind of, hey, how did you guys adjust from your first year as offensive coordinator? How did you adjust with the, with the, un, the unknown that you guys were facing in 2020? You know, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns. Um, yep. You know, adjusting with that. One of the things is we we went into play teams who we had zero film on because they had no games. <laughs> right. Uh, we went into every the first two games that we played. Those were brand new staffs there, and they so we had zero film on them. Which you know, wow. normally they were conference teams, so we'd have been halfway through the year and at least got a couple games on them uh, before we had to play them. And, you know, it's, it goes back to that whole our philosophy at Shattern. You know, we're kind of – we're in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> we're four and a half hours from Denver, uh, three hours from Casper, Wyoming, and then, you know, an hour and a half south of Rapid City. So we're, we're kind of a – we're a ranch community, and we kind mm-hmm. of try to make our team take on that persona. Even the kids that come from out of state and whatever, you know, we try to get them to buy into that. Like, you know, it's, it's not about where we're at or what we got. It's about who we have. And so that's that mentality is the next man up mentality too goes along with it. And so the unknown was always about, hey, whatever comes next, whether we have to test every week, which mm-hmm. we had to test every week, um, or you know, we had to go to games without guys because they were quarantined or whatever it may be, you know, we just hey, we'll we'll make it work. because uh, what's best for us, what we felt was best for us and what our administration felt was best for us, which our administration is awesome, was was best was to play games. Right. And, you know, try to make it as some somewhat normalcy as we possibly could. That's really neat. And as you mentioned, you're out in the middle of nowhere. I personally never heard of it. And um, even though I got fam, well, my grandfather, he was from Royal, Nebraska, um, which is somewhere around there. I'm not for sure if the town exists anymore, but uh, it's out. It's out there. Wait, it's a little way. It's out there. Yep, it's out there, and my great grandmother is buried there. One day, maybe I like to, maybe maybe just for the heck of it, go out there. But uh, hey, man, it's easy living. <laughs> but headed into twenty twenty one, you know, cross fingers normalcy. What's uh, what do you guys bring back talent wise? What this? What's the expectations of course like, and uh, what are you guys expecting for twenty one? Uh, you know, we're we we feel like we're in a really good spot. Um, Very nice. We have. Uh, we have our, our Dalton Holst is our quarterback. He's from Gillette, Wyoming, which is just over the border. He's, uh, I think he's, he's a little over a thousand yards away from setting the all-time record in passing yards at Shadow State. Um, he's about 15 touchdowns away from setting the touchdown record. So he's, and he's got that extra year because of COVID. So he played right. those four games last year. And then 
He's got an extra senior year. Um, we got Cole Thurness, who was a he's got a lot of all American teams behind his name as a receiver, as a slot receiver for us, kind of a hybrid, not really a tight end, but we can play mm-hmm. in the wing and do some different things with him. Who's a phenomenal athlete, and he's a uh, the one of the biggest compliments I can give him is he's like the strength team. USA All-American, which isn't like divided by levels. That's D1 right. to D3. Wow. Um, and so he's a, you know, he's a, he, he's getting that sixth year. We have all of our old back. We have all the rest of the receiving quarterback. We got a couple kids who opted out last uh, fall mm-hmm. that decided to come back and play in the spring and got those scrimmages in, in the spring. We're going to be impact players for us offensively. So we feel real good. I think we had three total kids, um, that decided not to take that extra year. Right. Um, one was going to be a seven-year senior, and he, I think he said, you know what, I think I might need to go join the real world. Um, right. You know, one was – Understandable. A, yeah, one was a backup old lineman who was a good player for us, but he's now ga for us because that GA spot came open. Very nice. Um, and then the other one was a, was a tight end who he went out and joined the working force, and he thought about maybe after the spring, if he didn't like working, he might come back and take some master's classes, but – so we only lost three guys, and then we were on a very uh, – Shattern State is a very neat school. Um, the community, the college cares about athletics. We're a small program. We're a small college. Mm-hmm. So the college understands the importance of athletics and funds us very well, um, puts us in a good position. And they um, – with the whole scholarship thing with D2, the problem was is, well, if I don't lose any scholarship players, how am I going to go get – freshman class right and our school said don't worry about it we'll make it work go do it and so we went out and signed and we got some very good uh incoming freshmen who i feel like are probably above probably we wouldn't have got if it wasn't for that um wow some of those schools not having scholarship money and so we went out and signed some very what i feel is a very talented class and um some guys are going to have a chance to come in and make an impact for us right away on both offense and defense so that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I definitely, you know, I'm all about um, this podcast. I love getting the, the smaller programs out, out there and getting the names out there. And uh, I'll definitely be rooting you guys on. Of course, uh, all the listeners, of course, on the live stream and whether you listen to it on the podcast tonight or in the near future, um, of course, Coach Smith actually played. Uh, it's your alma mater. How does that feel knowing uh, actually coaching your alma mater? It's awesome, man. Um, uh, you know, I, I grew up in this area. I grew up in Shattern. I went to high school in Shattern. Um, I got recruited to go a couple other places and went on some trips to some other, um, a couple walk-on opportunities and, you know, Division two opportunities. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just I, when I left and went there, I just I, I felt like, you know, I, everybody has that stigma of I don't want to stay home and go to my hometown school. And then, like, but when I came up here, I felt like it was a separate part of the of the town, but also the I still had the same amenities that I had growing up and I had the same, you know, the people in Shattered love mm-hmm. it. Um, when I played, I think we had uh, highway 20 runs right through Shattered and within uh, 90 miles West, 90 miles East. I think there's about 13 or 14 of us that were from highway 20. Um, wow. Not quite that much. Anymore. It's not like that anymore, right. um, but back then it was. And so it was, so I got to play with a lot of guys that I played against in high school Um and then, you know, just this opportunity, I've been, I think this is my 13th or 12th or 13th year of going in college coaching. And uh, when this opportunity came open, I was, you know, I'm like, yeah, man, I want, it's what I want to do. Um, I want to go back and I want to help out what somewhere that helped me so much grow up as a person. 
um, and become a better person. Um, not only the town, uh, I felt mm-hmm. like, oh, the town something. I felt like, oh, the college something. And when this opportunity came, I, that's my way to help back and my way to give back. Because, um, I mean, a lot of people don't understand it, but as a, as a small division coach or starting out in coaching, you don't make a lot of money. Right. And, uh, <laughs> so, so you're not helping your school or your alma mater by throwing money back at them. Um, so my way to do it was to come back and, you know, try to try to put us in a spot to win some more conference championships and put ourselves, um, you know, highly ranked in the nation and have a chance, maybe, you know, make the playoffs and make a run at it. So. Very nice. And I love, I love when coaches stay at the Olimar. I know, um, you spent some time elsewhere, but, uh, you know, all, of course, I'm sure when the job was opening, I'm sure that was your, your dream job, so to yep. speak, to be at your Olimar. Yep. And another one is uh, uh, our head coach played here, our D coordinator played here, our special teams wow. coordinator played here, I played here, uh, our wide receivers coach, who um, is our recruiting coordinator, mm-hmm. he didn't play here, but he played at a school from the north who's in our conference. I don't, I won't say their name, uh, <laughs> but he then came down here and GA'd here, so he's a de facto member of the uh, of the Eagle family. So very, <laughs> very nice. Is the team from the north a rival? Is that why? Is not they, to mention, have you mentioned it? Just kind of curious. They could call it a rivalry. <laughs> Love it. Uh, of course, you guys are part of the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, uh, NCAA D2. Uh, tell our listeners about the conference that may not be familiarized with it and uh, kind of, I guess, get the feel of it. Yeah, you know it's a it's a really good conference. I think I want I know this this might be wrong. Um, if anybody listens to this and wants to say that I'm wrong, I might be wrong. But I think it's the oldest conference in the country. Very nice. I like that. Um, you know, it started off and it was like Utah, Colorado, like all them bigger schools, mm-hmm. and then they kind of when the bigger stuff came out, they started branching off. Um, but it's primarily it's it's mostly based out of uh, Colorado. I would I think six or seven of our conference teams are in Colorado. There's one of us in Nebraska. Um, there's two in South Dakota, and then there's one in New Mexico. Um, and so we, we have, you know, and our, our guys, uh, one of the things that people, when they try to recruit against us and tell us, like, or, or when we recruit against other conference schools and stuff like that, they try to talk, talk about the travel of our conference and stuff. And, and we, I, I love it. You know, you get on, you get on a bus, you, we, we take two buses, we get on the bus, you, you take your long road trips, our guys mm-hmm. can get their homework done. Um, I can catch up on some sleep that I probably haven't gotten in a while. Uh, you know, I got two little girls, a, a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. So when it, when I get a chance to sleep, I sleep. I um, feel you. you know, I know that feeling. Yep. Ben's watched some TV yep. shows. <laughs> yep. um, you know, so, I, like, so it's, I, I love the travel that we do. And we get to go to some cool places. Um, you know, we go to Gunnison, Colorado, which is the highest stadium in the country. Um, you know, it's I know what the elevation of it is, mm-hmm. but it's way up there. We go to Fort Lewis in Durango, Colorado, and that's probably one of the most gorgeous areas in the country. And so there's a lot of cool things that we get to do um, that our guys get a chance to do. A lot of our guys that come from out of state, from California or um, Florida or, you know, we got a couple of those southern guys. They they don't they've never been to the Rocky Mountains and probably maybe never will have a chance to go to the Rocky Mountains and that affords them that chance we get them up there away up there in the Rockies and you know so it's it's like that. it's a it's an it's an awesome chance to just kind of see a different part of the country for a lot of these kids and like I said we just we count it as a blessing that we get those we, we get some of those road trips that we get. <clears throat> you know that's that's really awesome. Now I kind of wish that. Uh... You know, I'm graduated. Be 15 years now, and out of high school. 
I wish I would have heard the about you guys. Yeah. <laughs> now I like the family feel. It sounds like it's a family feel. And of course, you know, my question, I guess not really so much of a question, but more curiosity is you mentioned all the coaches. It's uh, they're all a monitor as well. Did you guys by chance play with did any of you play together by chance? Uh, no. So coach long, our head coach, he, he played here in 95 to 99. Gotcha. Um, and then I was Oh three to the Oh seven. Uh, Coach Sassy and Coach Furry, our D coordinator, our special teams coordinator, they're the, they're the late ones. Um, they played here, I want to say, around that oh, about that 2010 to 14 era. So those two played together, but the, me and Coach Long never played with them. So, When it comes to scheduling, um, especially the D2 level, uh, do you guys, because of well, obviously now because of COVID and everything else, you know, budget-wise, money-wise, I completely understand, you know, it's tight and, you got to watch as in the past was it always you try to get your teams closest together, just trying to make a schedule of it. Or would you guys actually try to make it to like a, like a university of central Oklahoma, who's a D two program or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, the, the weird thing now with scheduling um, is that so many, a lot, a lot of D twos close their conference scheduling. Right. And I, and for me, um, for being in our situation, we're not closed because we are at, I believe, 10 teams. So we play nine different mm -hmm. conference games and two non-conference games. Um, that hurts us as a conference because uh, one of our natural rivalries was always University of Nebraska Kearney and um, yes, Kearney sir. State. To those yep. Kearney people that want to watch it, you're still Kearney State. <laughs> uh, and so when we played – and so that was an easy – that was an easy, nice five-hour drive, um, really good crowd atmosphere was always crazy. But then they left the RMAC and went and joined the MIAA, which closed their conference schedule. Mm -hmm. So that makes it hard on us to find a uh, non-conference game. Um, so what we do now is we'll take we'll take one of those FCS money games um, a lot of years. Uh, we haven't did take one this year, um, but next year we'll go to Dixie State in St. George, Utah. Uh, and But the, the closed conference scheduling makes it hard and to where I, I – our head coach says this, in, um, and I think I looked it up too to see, just to see, like, because I couldn't believe it. But our closest team that we can play Division Two that's not in close conference scheduling is in Kansas City, Missouri. And wow, that's like a eleven-hour drive. Right. Um, and so that's one thing that makes it hard. But uh, with our with our conference schedule, we just kind of try to find whoever you know mm -hmm. wants to play, and. Um, whether that be FCS, Montana State, Montana, those Montana schools, uh, Northern Colorado. Um, we're the kind of school, like I said, we kind of, you know, we're blue collar. Like, we, we don't care who you are. We'll play you. I like that. Um, and that's anybody that wants to play. Um, you know, we were we had uh, one of the teams we we're supposed to play this year. COVID screwed up the scheduling and they didn't mm -hmm. want they wanted to do something and we wanted to do something else. And uh, we had a couple schools that had open dates that were calling on us and Angelo State was one of those schools, and they're like, "Hey, you guys want to? We'll come to you. Come to us next." And we're like, "Yep, let's do it." You know, like that, <laughs> that, that's that's fine with us. And, and so, the scheduling is is a hard thing for us, but it's it also another thing. This it goes back to the same thing: is uh, we get to go to Texas. We take a lot of Nebraska, Colorado, Wyoming kids to Texas that might never ever go to Texas before yep. again in their life. And so that's that's a blessing to us to also kind of have to find these out of the box teams to play. I like that. And uh, kind of keep, you know, of course, talking uh, conference. Of course, I have to ask, just kind of get your opinion on it. What's your thoughts on um, not so much the NIL, but the all the conference realignment? Do we, we always can, I know we're talking FBS, but 
Well, do you could potentially see when we might be down to more super conferences than what the SEC is going to be like? I think so. I really do. Um, you know, I, I like all college football. I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed. Um, my brother played at Purdue University, and so I'm, I'm a big fan. And most of my family's from Illinois. I was born in Illinois, and then my dad moved out here when I was two. So, uh, so I was always a Big Ten fan. My uncles, both my uncles, played at University of Wisconsin, and um, but I do see, I do see that you know gearing towards more becoming bigger super conferences, mm -hmm. and and I, I, I don't know if I like it or not. I was kind of hoping to see kind of an expanded playoff and maybe see a little bit more, yeah. um, maybe give the Power Fives, give them all. Uh, you know, let all let the conference championship from each of those went in and have three yep. at larges or whatever it would be. Um, and kind of maybe give one of those smaller schools a little chance the the one, whoever is the best, a chance to, you know, get in there and duke it out with them. Um, but I think with the way it's going, they're probably not going to expand the playoff now with the way the conferences are starting to adjust mm -hmm. and realign. Um, I mean, I think one of our coaches yelled down the hall that USC now is possibly going to join the Big Ten or something like that. It was one of the rumors. That's what I heard on our local. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> I'm like, come on now. Like, I got big kid school in California. That don't make no sense. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I think you know, like, like with the with the way the world's going and putting more power in the athletes' hands, um, you want to try to get your kids the most exposure that you can get them. And if you know Oklahoma and Texas feel like going mm -hmm. to SEC is the way to do that, then you know, good for them for doing it. And then, and don't get me wrong, that's going to put a pretty penny in both Oklahoma and Texas's pocket. So, oh yes. I don't think Texas A&M likes it very much, though. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I'm not going to say what radio station sports-wise uh, local you should listen to, but uh, when you get a chance, definitely listen. It's it's pure entertainment, uh, especially Aggie fans calling in. And, you know, of course, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Sooner fan, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited, but at the same time, you know, you, it, the changes, talking about, you know, Big 12. I'm used to Big 12. My dad's a Nebraska fan. I'm not for sure how that uh, even though I think my dad, I think my grandpa was, so I think he kind of just took a ran with it. Even though uh, my dad graduated from Nebraska or from Oklahoma, but uh, uh, nonetheless, you know, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting, of course, especially with the Pac-12 potentially expanding again. Yeah. The Big Ten, I've heard of Kansas and. I don't know who else they may go after. I think Iowa State was one of the ones, which Iowa State would make sense. I mean, to jump in there with Iowa and you kind of they already play each other, and that's a natural rivalry. So, you know, Matt Campbell's done a phenomenal job yeah, recruiting and coaching. I think that would be a, I could see him really doing well up there. And of course, the ACC, I know West Virginia's potentially, but uh, looking back at 2020, just and almost everybody that came on the show, I've asked this question. So it's nothing I know. Probably the listeners are probably like, oh, here we go again. But you look at 2020 for a lot of people's different different um, stories. You know, Maya, my dad had a major stroke that uh, he suffered in April. So, unfortunately, you know, since then he hasn't been doing well. And, of course, weeks in the hospital that we couldn't go see because of COVID. Um, looking back at 2020, of course, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully nothing's changed, will change since, um, since then. But... Uh, what has 2020 taught you personally as we uh, hopefully recover from that? Well, first off, I'm sorry to hear about your dad, man. You know, that's that's rough. And, and especially having to spend time in the hospital and not being able to see family. That's, you know, that's, that's one of that's, that's, that sucks. And there ain't much, right. much else you can say about that. Um, but the biggest thing about 2020, and, and I've always considered myself a, um, 
pretty good at persevering about through things. Mm-hmm. And I think 2020 uh, pushed that to me, pushed that for me, pushed that for our kids, pushed that for everybody. Um, and it shows people that you got a lot more strength in you than you think. Um, and as long as you just keep going and keep plugging along, and uh, no matter what somebody may try to do to you from an outside source, and um, or no matter what a virus may try to do to us from an outside source, that something that you can't control. And one of the biggest things that all of our kids hear me say on the sideline a lot of time is it is what it is. Yep. And, you know, like just you can't control what you can't control, man. I got to control my controllables. And so that's uh, we preach that to our kids. And 2020 has kind of been a big pushing stone for that of, hey, man, um, I don't I don't get to play this week because I'm quarantined because I was a close contact. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. You know, sit in your do quarantine, get your grades up, do what you can. Yep. Um, do push-ups, do sit-ups, and then when you get back, let's go. Um, so that, that's been that's been probably been the biggest thing for me of twenty twenty. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I know I know uh, my wife would probably say patience because you know, oh, yeah. a virtual virtual school really kicked in at least I know for sure. I think across the country, I'm pretty sure it did. I know here in Oklahoma, it really did. So I know patience will be definitely one, especially when you have a middle schooler that thinks he knows everything. Oh. It gave me a bigger appreciation for my wife having to let I when yep. we were working from home and I had to yep. and I had to you know see what she goes through every day with our yeah. two, with our two girls and so <laughs> you know but I, she's a, she's a saint so oh most definitely and uh, you know being grateful um, a buddy of mine <clears throat> we always hang out um, from time to time he's a host of a defining moments podcast and. Uh, Hey, he always makes me realize that uh, there's be- there's bigger and better things out there, but at the end of the day, family's there for you. And, uh, and I can tell you one thing: um, 2020, I think, pushed my pushed my patience. But I think in the end, it's gonna it's gonna be rewarded one way or another. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, speaking of, I know people are like, well, that's a serious conversation back to football. But you know, don't get me wrong. Um, at the end of the day, there's better there's bigger things and. Uh, in life than just sports, but uh, nonetheless, you look at the Big Ten, and uh, I know Tanner Lee is a buddy of mine that's been on the show. He's a Big Ten guy. Who would you, um, looking at Oklahoma State, I know locally here it's been mentioned potentially Oklahoma State. Um, Of course, I'm going to be a little biased against OSU, but I know there's a certain criteria that uh, you have to meet, the AAU academic stuff, and that's way above my own expertise, but uh, looking at OSU, could you see them potentially be in the Big Ten, or do you think it's strictly going to be look like a Kansas Iowa State uh, combination? I would like. To see, I think Oklahoma State in the Big Ten would be awesome. It bring a new flair to the Big Ten. You yep. know, like that's a, uh, you know, COVID. I during COVID hit, I told our head coach, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna start growing my hair out, and he goes, well, tell me a coach with his hair growing out, and so I pulled a picture of my gunny. So. My gun is my spirit animal, so you know. Uh, so, uh, so I, I love it. Like that, that guy. Um, you know, I think the what he does for his kids, and you can see he's got a true passion for. Oh, absolutely. The student athlete, um, and the kids that play for him, and I, I don't know if it's true, but people said he opened a bar in town down there in Stillwater, so that his kids had a place to go. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, honestly. He's a he's a good family guy. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, so that's. And so seeing them go there would bring a new flair. You know, the Big Ten's kind of starting to get a new flair, mm-hmm. but it's still the Big Ten. You watch, uh, you watch Ohio State last year, and this is one thing that when I watched them play last year is when it came down to the nitty-gritty, Ohio State may have wanted to throw, look like they wanted yep. to throw the ball over the place, but when it came down to it, they were going to punch it at you. 
and they were going to physically um, impede themselves on you and make sure that they pushed you around if they got into trouble anywhere or something like that. So the Big Ten is still the Big Ten. And if you bring a little flair to it like Oklahoma State, I think that'd be a fun show to watch. Excuse me. Um, what was I going to ask? Now I totally forgot. Uh, oh, speaking of Big Ten, that's what it was. Of course, you're you're in Nebraska. Uh, you're actually the first person from Nebraska I've interviewed. So right. um, I, I like Nebraska. I miss OU Nebraska, I won't lie. But I do know that Nebraska is coming down here this year. <clears throat> Obviously, you're being in Nebraska. What's the what's – the, the vibe, the feel of the University of Nebraska and the program that's, let's be honest, has struggled for quite a while. What's the what's the vibe there? And is is uh, Scott Frost really on the hot seat, do you think? Uh, you know, one thing, it's probably going to surprise everybody, but I'm not a Nebraska fan. It doesn't surprise anybody that knows me. Um, my dad was the head coach at Shattered State uh, mm-hmm. from 1987 to 2004. Um, and so growing up, you know, I, I D2 Shattered State was all right. I heard about. And, um, and then back in the day, Nebraska had the walk on program. And my dad would always, you know, complain a little bit like, oh, Nebraska's just stealing guys. It'd be great players for us. And so that I think that got drilled <laughs> into me over time. Uh, I so, love that. I so, love that. So I'm not the biggest Nebraska fan. But now my wife, she's on the other hand, she is loves Nebraska. And now that I've gotten older, I have nothing against Nebraska. And I right. watch them and cheer for them with her. And uh, when they, you know, when they're struggling, I do grind it into her a little bit. And she does not play <laughs> that. Uh, but, you know, I, it's one of those things to where I feel like Scott Frost, he kind of, you know, he got labeled, labeled uh, the savior. Right. And um, a lot of people don't understand that in this profession, it's not that easy to just come in and just flip something um, and to, to get kids to buy in. And you can tell, tell everybody, whoever you want that, Hey, you know, this guy's going to do it and blah, blah, blah. But, at the end of the day, everybody's still got to put the work in and not saying that their staff doesn't. I know their staff works extremely hard. I have uh, a buddy that works with their program. We had one of our alumni that was in their strength program, and, you know, he talks about it. But at the end of the day, so is everybody else. Right. Um, yep. And to say Scott Frost is on the hot seat, I the way people talk about him around here, I can't believe that he's on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Um, but – I've seen a lot weirder things in this profession. I've seen guys get <laughs> seen guys with really good records get fired. Um, oh know, and yes. I, uh, and I, I think I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago about, um, you know, you can in coaching you have to walk a fine line between mm-hmm. um, do I do I aggressively go after what I want? People consider me to be arrogant or egotistical, but I'm, I need to get this to be successful in my program, or do I kind of just kind of get pushed over and allow for my program not to get what it needs to be successful. Um, and you have to walk that fine line. And as long as you're winning, you can be, you can be whoever you want as long as you're winning. Oh, um, yes. But, but once you, but if you're winning and then you have a bad year, um, you see that nowadays with some of these ADs that, mm-hmm have coaches that they don't get along with and that guy has a good track record and then he's fired because one bad year but he had rubbed somebody the wrong way within the administration um and so you know with scott frosty he does a really good job in the community he does a really good job with the, the nebraska alumni i uh, i can't speak for his relationship with the administration but it's right. like he's got a really good relationship with the administration and i think uh overall the people in nebraska um as long as you stay off twitter and other social medias <laughs> <laughs> the people of Nebraska 
are going to be patient with him and kind of let, try to let him build it the way that he wants to build it. Um, and so to say he's on the hot seat, I don't think he is. Uh, but like I said, I've seen weirder things. And it's it's interesting that you brought that up, social media. And of course, nowadays, I think we live on social media. I'm pretty oh, sure, yeah. you know, from, politi- from politicians to to presidents to governors, it doesn't matter really. And even, you know, our own, you know, on-air personality, social media is practically our, our go-to when it comes to news. And now you can watch things and so on and so forth. Is there anything that you guys tell your players about social media, kind of like, especially when it gets close to game day? I'm sure, uh, you know, block out the noise, cancel the noise, what have you. Or mm-hmm. you guys just tell your players, hey, just watch yourself on there. Yeah, you know, we just we tell them be smart. Um, you know, not only when, and this is no, it, it, and where sometimes people don't kind of uh, understand about mm-hmm. collegiate sports and you know, whether it be football, basketball, whatever. For these kids, this is a job. You know, when you're on scholarship, you know, it's it's like having a job. And if me as a person, as an employee at Shattered State, whatever I put on Twitter doesn't only represent me, but it represents Shattered State also. Yes, sir. Um, and so what I got, so we tell our kids is like, make sure that, hey, when you, before you post something, make sure you reread, make sure you read it, make sure you read it again, make sure you read it again, and then delete it, mm-hmm. and then sit and think about it. And then if you still want to type it, type it. Um, but you know, just kind of taking that step back, uh, because that's, that's the difference between nowadays and the old days is you used to not be able to just spout off whatever you wanted yeah. at the spur of the moment and have everybody else know what you're saying. Uh, but now people, you know, within five seconds, you can put out something that can, you know, hurt you for the rest of your life, um, mm-hmm. hurt your teammates, hurt people you care about. Um, and it's something that you, as a lot of people have found out, you can't take it back. Um, the internet is the internet is not a place for taking something back. <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people um, unfortunately use it, but at the same time, I think you can use it. As, and like you said, as long you know, you got to rethink it because not just uh, coaches and all that, but if you know, my my employer if happens to see you know, if I happen to go on this and rant and my boss, I don't know if they're on Twitter or not, but if they do, then hey, guess what? Or you know, maybe not just my, my boss, but the vice president of the company's like, hold up, wait a minute. Um, for some reason, he skyped up in my time, my um, timeline, and uh, hey, so and so, I need you to go talk to Michael because uh, we got some issues. But um, yeah, but it can, like you said, it can be used for good too. You yep. know? I mean, I go on there every day, and you see stories that never would have got to me because it's not covered by something or it's not pushed out there to people, and you see all them stories just. I guess it would technically be like a heartfelt story about somebody doing something the right way and doing something mm-hmm. right for people. And, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on my, on Twitter recruiting. Uh, that's a huge thing for us now, but also when I scroll through it, if I see something that kind of motivationally charges me up, you know, I share it with all of our players and I, you know, I, I put that on there and I say, Hey guys, like this is something to think about as you're winding down summer workouts or whatever it may be. So. <clears throat> Going back to your coaching days, um, or I shouldn't say going back to coaching days, make it sound like you're retired. Uh, going back uh, to your coaching ranks, you started off at Wayne State College. Um, obviously, again, I don't know where that's at in Nebraska, but uh, <laughs> walk us through, you know, the how long after you graduated uh, did you land your first job at Wayne State and uh, kind of walk us from there? 
Yeah. So, uh, so when I finished, I finished playing. Um, I was uh, my, I guess what technically would have been my uh, red. Sh- no, my the spring ball after my redshirt freshman mm-hmm. year. So I played my redshirt freshman year, and then that spring ball after I tore my ACL, and um, so I I didn't get to play the next ball, and so I, I had planned on taking a medical hardship there and playing the sixth year. And then when I got to what was my fifth year, what technically would have been my senior year, my last year, um, in the, I think, fourth or fifth game of the year, I blew my ACL, MCL, and PCL in the game. Ooh. Yeah. And so after that, I kind of, you know, made the decision, uh, made the business decision that it's probably time for me to uh, go join the coaching force and get out of uh, playing. <laughs> uh, and so I, and so, but how I had set my uh, schedule up was to graduate that next fall. And so, when I didn't, um, I came back that next fall and I worked at the high school level at Shattern High where I went to high school at. Um, the, the head coach was my D coordinator when I played. And so I went there and helped work with the offense there for one year. And then I went and GA'd at Wayne State that um, that following that following spring. Um, and I was the G wide receivers GA. And uh, probably one of the greatest one of the greatest experiences of my coaching profession mm-hmm. was that because um, I know a lot. I want everybody wanted to coach. Everybody wants a D1 GA. If, if that's what your dream is to do as coaches, you want to go be a D1 GA after you're done playing. And I had, you know, a possibility at a couple different places that fell through because coaches left and things like that um, at some other bigger universities. And then Wayne was sitting there and I was like, all right, let's go do this. And why it was so special for me was because it was our offensive coordinator, our O-line GA, um, me as the wide receivers GA and a volunteer running backs coach was the four offensive coaches. Wow. Um, and I got to work for a guy who was a high school legend in Nebraska. Uh, his name's Gene Sir. He's won, I don't know how many state titles he's won now, but he was an old uh, Green Beret, fought in Vietnam. Um, he was a he was kind of a crusty old guy, but he was he, <laughs> he told you how it was. He told you what he wanted, and he taught me a lot about coaching, about how dealing with kids. I was I mean, I was 23 years old coaching kids that were 21 and uh, kind of differentiating between a friendship and being a coach. Um, you know, you, that there's that fine line between that. You want to – not saying not saying you don't want to be their friend, but you can't right. be a friend and only a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he taught me a lot there, and that helped me a lot. And then after two years there, I went to Wabash College in uh, Indiana, in Crawfordsville, Indiana, just north of uh, – just south of West Lafayette, actually, about – 30, 40 minutes south of West Lafayette. Um, that was a D3 school. Uh, I learned a lot about recruiting there because D3 recruiting, it ain't, it ain't no joke. Um, it's a lot of time on the phone. It's a lot mm-hmm. of time recruiting kids because you got to throw a wide net because you're not offering uh, athletic scholarships. Um, and then I had very luckily, very fortunate to go there because I worked for a good staff and we were successful. We won our conference. I think we lost to Mount Union in the semis or the quarters that year. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but we lost to them by 12, I think. And then after that, I went out to Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado for two years as the uh, wide receivers coach. Um, my second year, they fired our head coach after the, my first year, um, mm-hmm. and they hired John L. Smith. And uh, wow, uh, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know who John L. is, maybe some of the younger ones don't. Uh, wow, but I got to work with John L. for a year, and that was a great experience. I mean, like, he had so much. I was about to ask you, how was that experience working with Coach uh, Coach Smith? Oh, it was great. 
Um, uh, I, that man got more one-liners than I've ever heard somebody say in their life. <laughs> um, but he, he, um, you know, he, he taught me a lot about, you know, reaching out to kids. I mean, he, I don't know, he was at Michigan state, Louisville, Idaho, yep. Arkansas. Uh, I, I'm sure he had another Weber state. I'm sure he probably had another head coach in somewhere, but I mean, and all those programs were very successful when he left. Um, and so working with him was awesome. Um, you know, he taught me a lot. And then the year after the, then after two years there, I got the chance to go to Eastern Illinois and work at the division one level for five years. Um, I bounced around between coaching wideouts and tight ends kind of, uh, when I first got hired, mm -hmm. they hired me as a wide receivers coach. And then like four days later, um, a guy named T.D. Woods, who was a receivers coach at Tulane, Ole Miss, um, had some really good experience through his career. I think he was all-time leading receiver at Tennessee for a while also. Uh, he he um, he got hired, and they're like, hey, this guy's got 25 years of coaching wideouts. Can we, would you mind moving to tight end? I was like, no, I'm good. I'm, uh, you, uh, I will do that because that's probably better for my career anyways. Right. And then um, – but I was a tight ends wide receiver, co-special teams coordinator for a few years. And the, that tight end move for me was the best move I ever made in my coaching career. Um, I got the chance to work with some really good O-line coaches, Mike Markison, who was the O-line coach at Arkansas mm -hmm. and Ole Miss and uh, Wisconsin. Um, uh, he went up to Canada after he was done with me. So I got to work with him for one year. And then I got to work with a guy that you probably know the name, Mark Hudson. Oh, yes. Yes, the old Fumbaruski, yep. old, old, oh, old, Marky, yes. old Marky Fumbaruski, man. Yep. Uh, and to, to this day, Mark Hudson is, um, besides my father, Mark Hudson is my biggest coaching mentor that I have. Um, he kind of, when I coach tight ends, um, Coach Markson was great to learn technique <clears> and stuff <throat> like that from, but the uh, kind of mixing the tight end in, he was kind of very geared towards his five. Um, but when Coach Hudson came to Eastern Illinois, he had been with the Raiders for three years as the tight ends coach. And so he kind of understood that struggle of sometimes when the line coach is just geared into their five. And so he really took me under his wing and he really helped me out. And uh, that's that guy made the biggest impact in my life and coaching uh, besides my father. And then I got to work with um, uh, Coach Uparessa, who is another long time. I think Coach Uparessa is the first Polynesian ever playing in the NFL for the Raiders. Yep. And then um, – and then he was a coach to Hawaii, USC, UNLV. So I got these, I got five years of working with these great old line coaches and starting to understand. Um, if you'd asked me what type of old coordinator I was uh, seven years ago, eight years ago, before I got to Eastern coach tight ends, I'd have told you I'm going to throw that thing every down, man. I'm yeah. <laughs> That's my style. You know, it just let's, let's, let's let it rip. We're going to throw it 65 times a game and, you know, throw. 15 screens. That's the run game. Yep. Um, so work with those guys was awesome. And then um, in my final, my fifth year, I worked with Scott Parr, who is the uh, head coach at Navarro now. Mm -hmm. He aid for Coach Leach at Texas Tech. And yep. uh, so he brought the air raid. And, um, you know, it was like one of those things where we were very kind of complex my first four years at Eastern. And then we went to the air raid. And not to call the air raid dumb, but the air raid is a very simplified down yes, it is. Air bones, and it, yep. so I went from one thing to another, <clears throat> and that's just another growing part of me that was like, oh, maybe I don't have to be that complex to where I can base everything down a little bit more. Um, and so that was a great experience for me. And then I went to uh, the beautiful state of North Dakota for seven months, and um, the winters winters are woof. 
I, I thought Nebraska. I've heard they're rough up there. I heard. I thought Nebraska was cold, and then I moved to North Dakota for <laughs> seven months. And, and um, Coach Long called me. Uh, it's about ta- setting up an interview time for this for the Shatter State job when I was up there in Mayville. And uh, I'm walking outside, and he's FaceTiming. I'm walking outside, and he goes, "It looks cold." And I go, "Yeah, it's pretty cold." I go, "Hold on a second. I got up on a snowdrift. I stood on a snowdrift, and the snow and the stop sign was below my hip." Wow, and so, but wow. uh, but that working in Mayville was awesome too. Just the community, um, the small program, um, you know, and then just kind of having access to North Dakota State mm-hmm. and North Dakota and those places like that up there because you're only about 45 minutes from each. Um, and then after Mayville, I got here at Shannon, and so you know, it's uh, I'm very blessed with my journey because um, I've been to so many different places. I think I worked, I wrote, I did a coaches clinic in wyoming about a week ago and i taught and i kind of broke down all my stuff and when i was doing my presentation for it i think i worked for seven different head coaches and seven different o coordinators in my 13 year in my wow. 10 years before i became my own o court before i became the old coordinator and so what i do offensively everybody you know i get I, when i first got hired here like well, what, what style of offense are you and i'm like uh, i i like to score points like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really know what to call it or say it is because it is a little mix of everything yeah and uh you know a lot of people always say well why don't you ask the coach uh, what kind of style he likes to run like no i like to keep it off limits just because i don't want the other opponents to potentially uh try to you know i'm not asking for every play but uh you know i was going to ask you and you brought that up was who was your biggest mentor especially and um how much of an impact he played on you. And I think a lot of people, we get to the biggest level and I shouldn't say a lot, but you know, I know, I know a few that's in the coaching ranks right now and you just don't, uh, you don't hear much about the stories of how they, where they began. You always hear the, uh, well, I got here and I got here. It's always the I. And I think at the end of the day, I think we forget where we come from. And I think that's why I really enjoy, you know, talking to you because at the end of the day, you're, you're back where you started from. I think that's really neat. You know, and that's uh, – it's never been about where I got to. It's always been about where people have gotten me to. Yeah. Um, creating those relationships, uh, you know, there's – you can – you this this profession um, has got a lot of personalities in it, and uh, all those personalities aren't always going to match. Um, but I'm a firm believer, and as long as I do what I'm supposed to do and I do my job to the best of my capabilities and maybe above, above my capabilities, that what I do speaks for itself. And um, – Every time I've ever called somebody I've worked for and said, hey, I need a reference. Can you write it for me? Even if maybe I didn't leave there with the best personal relationship of, you know, outside of the office, every single time I've ever done it, some of those people have been more than willing to do it for me. Um, And I'm the same way with guys that I'm now in a position where we have five GAs on staff or six six GAs. We have six GAs on staff. and I tell them all, like, look, you guys, I'm like, you guys don't have to, we don't have to get along on a personal level or whatever, but as long as you come in, and I'm not saying that I don't, I get along on a personal level right. with all of them, but if, if I don't for some whatever reason, um, as long as they're out there doing what they're supposed to be doing and, you know, getting their job done, um, within the day, if somebody calls on them and wants a reference, I, I'm more than happy to do that because I, that's what this profession is about. Um, you know, as long as you, and the main thing for me when I ask a kid, when I, a GA comes to me and says, hey, I want a um, reference for a job. The main thing is, is is that I think that you have the best interests of the student athlete in mind. 
um, when you get into this profession. And it's not about me. It's about them because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm nothing without our players. So, <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, going, going to that and <clears throat> what would be a question um, that someone that – let's just say, for example, little Johnny comes up to you and say, hey, Coach Smith – Never played football, but I'm really into co- – I want to love to get into coaching. Um, what would you say to the person that doesn't have an experience but yet wants to get into coaching and then to the person that has experience that wants to get into coaching? How would you uh, approach them about how to get their foot in the door or at least where to start from? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is just um, to kind of sit yourself – or talk, ask yourself, where do you want to be? What do you mm-hmm. want to do? Um, and throughout my career, I've kind of had to do that with myself. Um, do I want to keep, can, when I was younger, you know, my whole dream was chase the D one dream, go get, go be a D one coach, you know, try to do that. And, um, you know, as you start to do that and then now, and then I had a family and I kind of had to take a step back again from yep. that. I had to figure out and, um, not saying I don't spend less time at division two. It just gives you the more capability to be around family at division two at the lower, Absolutely. At the lower level. And so uh, that's kind of the path I took because I wanted that opportunity to be around my family. Um, and my dad worked at the division two level for so many years and, you know, he was always able to go to my games and, um, you know, he was able to coach my baseball teams and my basketball teams, even though most of the time he said he was a coach and then he had his, (laughs) had his players take over the duties of coaching it. So, um, (laughs) but so the biggest thing is figure out what you want to do. Where do you want to go with it? Um, because there's, there's stories of guys who had zero coaching experience and have gone to NFL offices and just said, hey, I'll do whatever you want me to do right now until, you know, you see that I'm a hard worker and I can work my way up. Mm-hmm. There's stories like that all the time. Um, I can't remember what was the – wasn't it the 49ers co- head coach there? Yep. He His story was very similar to that, lived in his car and basically interned for free. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then there's the – and then there's the stories of – or do you want to coach high school? Um, yep. Go reach out to your local high school and just say, hey, I'll do whatever. I'll, I'll volunteer. Um, I'll work hard. And, you know, in the future, if you see fit for me to, you know, make some money doing this, then awesome. Um, if you're a college student and that's what you want to do, you want to get into coaching, I highly recommend going and getting going, just going to your head coach's office. Now, some places that's a little harder than here. Right. Um, coach Lawton's office is open all the time and, you know, about anybody can walk in there to him. So, Fair um, but, you know, and just, just say, Hey, I'd like to be a student assistant and do whatever it may take to do that. And then, you know, uh, when I was at Eastern Illinois, we had a young man who was in my, I taught, um, I taught techniques of football coaching at Eastern Mm -hmm. Illinois and he was in my class and he came up and he said, Hey, I'd really like to get into coaching. Uh, what can I do? And I said, well, start coming to practice. Um, we'll put you to work, setting up bags, whatever it may be. We'll find work for you to do. And then he worked his way up with our O-line coach and he was in charge of, um, you know, doing all the O-line manual stuff and doing all the computer oh. stuff that some of these older guys don't want to do. And I'm starting to get to that point where I don't even want to do the computer <laughs> stuff. And I'm not even that old. I hope I'm not that old. But uh, And he did a very good job with that. And then um, when our O-line coach left um, – oh, that's the other O-line coach. I worked with Mike Simmons, too, on the O-line at Eastern Illinois. He was at South Florida, UTEP. He's at UTEP now, but yep. he's been at a bunch of different D1 places. And Mike was another really good influence on me. But Mike left to go to Northern Iowa, and uh, the student assistant went to him with went with him to Northern Iowa as a GA. And wow! When Mike left Northern Iowa to go to UTEP, he left with him to go be a quality control at UTEP. 
Um, and then after, you know, after a few years of that grind that he was going through, he called me one day and he's like, Hey, uh, like, I think I'm going to go coach high school in Texas. And I'm like, well, you're probably <laughs> going to make more money than I am. So, Oh yeah. Probably good, probably good choice. <laughs> so now he's out in the Dallas area coaching, uh, coaching, a, coaching at a high school in Dallas, but that's uh, awesome. You, you just got to take that step and just go and reach out to somebody and, you know, um, we're us as a program, like any kid that wants to walk in here and says, Hey, uh, I'm a student here and I'd really like to, you know, help you guys out in any way. Mm-hmm. Next, coaching is what profession I want to get into. We're down for it. You know, and as long as you're going to awesome. work hard and do what you need to do and um, you're going to, we're going to be a recommendation for you. And, you know, I, there's a lot of them. Most of them are, we're a big education school, teacher school. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those people that want to be coaches, um, there's coaches from all over in this area in Wyoming, Nebraska, South Dakota, Colorado, that are old alumni of Shattered State who, when they have something open, they're always calling us like, hey, do you guys have somebody who's education that wants to be a coach? And besides this year, because of COVID, we don't have many people graduate until <laughs> later. Usually we have seven, eight guys that are graduating. They're like, yeah, wow. I got the perfect guy for you. Shadron, I'm sure I probably hope I said it a little bit better than the first you're time. Getting you're getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> By the end of this football season, I'll have it down pat. All right. Um, what's the what's the home what's the home game feel like leading up to kickoff? Community gets involved, school gets involved. What's the feel like on a on a uh, Saturday morning or early afternoon or whatever the time may be for you guys to kick off at home? What's the feel like? Oh, this place is awesome. Uh, this place gets rocking. You know, um, we're, we're very fortunate. Our facilities are top notch now. Um, they've changed a lot since I played. Uh, very nice. Sure. Uh, we got a whole brand new athletic building with a brand new wow. arena um, in 2014. Um, they built a brand new stadium in 18. Um, uh, we didn't have lights here when I played. Um, and then in 18, when they built a new stadium, they put lights up. Um, and so we get some night games and everything gets going, man. And it's the community. Um, is so supportive. Uh, you don't play. Um, I, I play some schools in the RMAC, and I'm not going to say any names, but we'll go to some places where there's 500 people in the crowd, um, you know, if that. But when you come hmm. play a home game at Shattern, it's going to be – the stands are going to be full, and it's going to be rocking. And, you know, the tailgate's going to be rolling, and there's going to be um, families. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we have – we have um, we create such a family-like style here that – the families when they come here and their kids are playing, they all become really tight knit group of uh, families and friends. And so the fam- our families travel really well, um, no matter where we go. And we have a lot of kids from Colorado, so when we go down and play those Colorado games, we get a lot of we get a good um, a good showing there too. So it's um, I don't think there's there I'm being biased, and there's some places I've played at some places um, that are comparable, but on a Saturday night. Saturday night in, Saturday night out. Shattered State is, you know, atmosphere wise, is better than no place. It's bar none, man. I like that, and I'm, <clears throat> and uh, of course, leading up to this season, is there one, one or a few games? What game is is your eye catcher? The one that you're just looking forward to on this upcoming season, pending no no weird things happen from now <laughs> till uh, the end of the year. Um, you know, I'm it's it's gonna be it's gonna be the corny response of. Uh, there's two teams in our conference right now that are very good in year in mm-hmm. year out, and that's Colorado School of Mines and uh, CSU Pueblo, um, who have both been highly ranked and won some playoff games the last whatever years. Um, 
And so those games are always going to be big ones for us. Um, but I think our conference is an overall um, – the RMAC kind of when I played – back when I played a little bit was kind of like everybody was like, oh, whoever wins the RMAC is just going to lose in the first round. And then um, my – my last two years of playing, we won our second round games and made it to the quarterfinals both those years. And everybody that our Mac kind of was like, Oh, okay. And then Pueblo brought back football and then mine started getting better. And then, you know, we're still here and everybody. So the R Mac's got a lot more respect than it has in the past. Um, and that's because, and that's not because, and that's with those two teams, but also everybody else has gotten better in the conference. Mm -hmm. um, the scholarship limits have gone up in the conference, allowing more team, allowing teams to have more to be on an equal playing field nice. with the rest of the country. Um, it's so every year that's just, you know, there's anybody can beat anybody. Uh, you know, Fort Lewis has probably the best track record against CSU Pueblo and Fort Lewis had been finishing the bottom of the conference a lot of those years. But they, for whatever reason, they had Pueblo's number. And so, wow. you know, it kind of made sure that everybody comes correct when you want to go play games. And we need to. And so when we get out there, the same thing I tell our kids is the same way that I truly believe, though, is we got to go one game at a time. Mm -hmm. And in Division II, um, it's a very, very costly to lose games. Uh, it's hard to make the playoffs when you're you, two, two lost teams don't make the playoffs in Division II some, a lot of times. And so you, you don't want to be and put yourself in that situation by having a down game. And so every game you got to be ready to play. Very nice. And uh, I know you're, you know, I appreciate taking your, you taking your time out of your busy schedule and final question coach. And I'll let you go on this one is, uh, is there a coach out there offensively, whether it's offensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator that became a head coach that you kind of admire from afar and kind of not so much get your offense to kind of build around what they're doing, but anybody that kind of, aspires you um to kind of i guess just kind of mm, i hate saying just act after or be like but uh, anybody that you aspire to oh yeah you know there's there's lots of guys uh, this profession everybody steals everything we're all, <laughs> right we're, you know like I'll, I'll find your film and i'll watch it and i'll figure <laughs> out how to do something um just like they would do to me um yep. You know, but a guy, Oklahoma right now with Lincoln Riley is a big one, man. Mm -hmm. Like just he, the way that he is kind of, um, the way that he's kind of taken that air raid and adapted it to match kind of what it can be really, really successful. Um, you know, he's a big one. And then you know, I'll, I'll go back to my spirit animal, man, Mike Gundy. You go. He, <laughs> he kind of like, he's, he's um, a lot of, if you ever meet somebody that knows me, they're going to tell you who I am. I'm a very, um, I'm a very passionate person about what I do. I'm very enthusiastic about what I do, but in the same sense, uh, I'm a very laid back guy that when you meet me, you, you wouldn't even know that what probably what my profession was. Um, wow. And so I think Mike Gundy kind of carries himself that way. Um, so that's a guy that uh, just, uh, you know, I still remember that I'm a man, I'm 40 speech, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Right there. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, yep. I'm, I'm a man. I'm 40. You know, I'm, I'm creeping up on that. I'm creeping up on 40. So, you know, I'm almost there as well. I know. I know the feeling. <laughs> final, final fun, final fun question for you. And then we'll let you go. Uh, if it's not coaching football during the off season, what, and recruiting, what during the off season, when you do have time, what do you like to do for fun? Oh man. Uh, I'm a very below average golfer. Um, uh, I enjoy being on the water and being up at a lake or something like that. We didn't get much time this summer. It kind of worked out weird. We're, we were back east at my mom, uh, my wife's family. For quite mm -hmm. a bit. Um, 
with some different family things, weddings and things like that. So, but I like being on the water. I like boating. Um, I wouldn't say I'm an avid fisherman, but when I do get on the water, I like to fish. Very nice. Um, you know, and then I'm still active. I go out there and pull hamstrings playing slow pitch softball and uh, hurt myself from doing things like that. I need to probably find a team that's got some younger guys on it so they quit playing me in the outfield. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, man, I just like to try to stay active as much as possible. Um, spend time with my family, spend time with my girls. Um, you know, they're getting their three-year-olds getting to that age where it's just run, 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 mm -hmm. change, pace, pace, yep. and um, she's starting to get active in more activities and things like that. So, you know, that's, that's how I like to spend my time. I like to be around family and just kind of just take every day, one day at a time and let everything be. It is what it is, man. Hey, I got to leave it at that. That's the best way in the show. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, man, taking the time out of your day too. You know, I like doing this stuff. I like just getting on there, uh, promoting Shattern State um, yep. because it is somewhere that I love and uh, promoting the sport of football. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that are trying to, trying to make it a dying breed to still tackle people and be physical and violent. But, you know, all I can do to promote it, I'm out here for it. I know one thing, Coach, if there's any way we can help promote uh, Sad Shadron State. There, I, there we go. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that because I'm, I'm going to butcher it the next time I say it. But uh, if there, is there any way we can help promote you guys to get the word out uh, as we head into 20, 2021 season? Hey, you know, just follow along with our Twitter accounts and stuff like that. And you see us post something that you like, retweet it, and, you know, like it, whatever it may be on whatever platform it is. And, um that's the way those kids are nowadays you know they're they're staring at their phones all the time oh so yes if we get if we get out there in front of more eyes and we get more people that are looking at our uh college then that's better off for me hey i can definitely do that and uh, i got some vacation time i got to use up so oh, september's yeah. gonna be booked for me but uh, october looks pretty open so if there's a home game in october i can tend to i may just have to hit you up and uh hey, I, I got tickets for you man I, I'll, I'll watch you guys and uh get that nebraska feel all right man Everyone, Coach Smith joining us on the Air Attack Podcast. Coach, best of luck this season, and uh, we'll and uh, welcome back anytime you can get on. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. You've been listening to the Air Attack Podcast.